What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Man, you know what I think about the NCAA tournament when I watch it is like, especially when I look at Bruce Pearl, it's like, how does that guy have a voice by the Sweet 16? He spends the whole game just turning red. It's amazing, some of these guys. I don't know how they do it. I know. It was a... uh... It was a rough weekend for the PC crowd that gets uncomfortable with the coaches yelling at people because all the coaches that made it through are fucking nut jobs. Well, did you see I mean, Dana, Dana Altman? I mean, insane. You're right. Pearl, underrated nut job. I mean, Izzo, we just know it. Like, he's just nuts. Uh, again, in a good way. High standards. Most people in sports that are nuts usually win. Uh, uh, Roy Williams, sneaky. I mean, guy, he'll have like a heart attack on the sideline. He's crazy, and he's like 80. Uh, Coach K actually feels a little reserved in his older age. I feel like he, yeah, he used to get more angry. Um, this Tony Bennett, I don't really know that I've seen Tony. No, get, like, they, they say he's, yeah, he's pretty calm. Self, self will fucking go nuts, but he got knocked out. Did you know Self? I didn't know this till he said it the other day, but he uh, humble brag. Haberman calling NCAA tournament. Games. I was in the press no big- conference post game. Because uh, there was this moment in his press conference. He's bigger guy than you think. Big dude, definitely a big dude. I'd always kind of thought he was big, but yeah, he's big. This actually isn't what I was going to say, but I just remembered what would this. You go, what would you go, Dan Patrick, like 6'3", 290? Ding! Uh, 290's big. 290's, like, 290's how big. How, how big is he? I don't know. Is I don't know. I mean, but like 290's big. Like six, two, I mean, yeah, he's, to big. Me, he's, got a, he's big. I know he's big. Yeah, 6'4", probably. Oh, he's like that tall? I think. I mean, he's no shorter than 6'3". 
Would you say that's an underrated part about college basketball coaches? Most just, of them are bigger than you think. Huge. Yeah, most of them are big. Um, but there was this guy who must who's who must be from like he had like a, a thick European accent, and he asked Bill Self a question, and Bill Self goes, "Can you repeat that?" And then it's quiet, and he goes in English this time, please. And like the room was the room kind of everyone's like, "What?" But then it turns out like it's a guy that covers Kansas. Bill's like, "I'm just fucking around. Like that's my boy. Like I, like they have a yeah. relationship. He knows him." People were like, oh, my God, yeah. go viral, fire him. You- what I was going to say, the thing, he had been calling his team Drew Barrymore from 50 First Dates because he said, you just don't know who which, who we're going to be on a given day. So, like, he, I think he was pretty that frustrated. Guy, with they guys. got their ass kicked. Oh, uh, and they were a two-point dog. You called the game, huh? Yeah. Auburn looked really, Auburn looked really good. We'll get to this. But, yeah, a lot of good yelling from the coaches. Uh, who else was screaming? Johnny Dawkins, he wasn't really screaming. No, he's more. Like. I mean, I, I think sometimes when you're an underdog, you're more of an uplifter. The screamers are usually the favorites in the first couple rounds. Then once you get to me this point in the tournament, when it's like Izzo versus Calipari, Coach K versus Roy, whatever, the the standards and the, the just what's on the line so high, you get pure craziness. But to me, the underdogs in the first couple rounds aren't really like berating players because you have to keep them like. We're going to fucking beat Because you. you know you don't belong to begin with. <laughs> no. Like, w- w- Wofford was going blow for blow with UK. Without their best player hitting any shots. He was 0 for 12. You know he's the all-time leading three-point shooter in the history of the NCAA? I did not know that until I saw that stat. Yeah. Wouldn't you say, though, it's probably like in the last 15 years they've been shooting a lot more threes than Larry Bird was back in the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. The th- did, what, what year did the three-pointer come in in college? Like 84? Uh, after Larry. I don't even know if it came in the NBA first, but it definitely like there was a generation of players that did not shoot threes. You yeah. weren't even allowed to. My, one of my favorite things to go back and look at every four years is like Michael Jordan's three point attempts per game. I think it's like under two. But I, I the, the thing that always bothers me is like, oh Jordan, even Kobe, not great. You don't think those guys in this modern day would have been maniacal and learned how to fucking shoot? You're telling me that PJ Tucker. And Trevor Ariza can shoot threes, and Michael Jordan and Kobe wouldn't be good three-point shooters. Like fucking put down the pipe, use.com promo code ham or the pen. But no, pick and, that one up. Yeah, pick that one up, use it, and buy it. But come on, guys, they Michael Jordan would have—he's the greatest, and him and Kobe are two of the greatest jump shooters ever. And they would not have been able to work and develop a competent three-point shot. That's that's a pet peeve of mine that really bothers me. I'm when totally I see that. with you. Totally with you. With those two guys specifically, right. they get not like Charles Barkley. Yeah, he might just not have been a good. There, some guys just aren't good three point shooters. But those two guys would have been fine. Michael attempted one point seven threes per game in his career, and uh, was a thirty three percent three point shooter. Uh, what, yeah, thirty three. What was Michael from two pointers? Now, some of those are dunks and layups. Yeah, it's but hard. Was, I mean, he was fifty percent. He took twenty three twos a game. So that number would and was shift fifty one percent. What do you think? To like fifteen, and he'd shoot six or seven threes a game. Because again, like even KD, if you're lethal from shooting two point shots, and it just opens shooting. up the floor for you. You get more. Like think about Michael was getting twos when no one thought he was going to take a three. Like they knew he was going to drive or pull up mid range, and they still couldn't guard it. You know what I mean? Like if he should, if he also took threes, now the floor would open up for, even more for him. You know the play that has disappeared. You pro- I mean, you do college games. I bet you never see this in college. And you rarely see it in the NBA is the post-up two-guard 
fadeaway jump shot down to like the baseline that those that those two guys did in their older age. Right. Like that does not do. You, do you see anyone shoot that in college basketball? Like no, that, no one really. Like, no one posts up unless they're big, or they get a small guy on them. But nobody didn't that used to happen. It feel like when we were growing up, like your two guard had a post game. Well, everyone wanted to hold the ball out with one hand and do like the lean back with Mike. Yeah, do the lean. Did you used to do that when you were like in your driveway with a small ball? Absolutely. I always I, and no one behind you air ball, you know, like on air. You do and the, like, oh do my the, god, this shit is gonna work. And do the shoulder basket. fake, yeah. Absolutely. And then you just get the ball stolen from you. I'll go the up and then the fake it go under. Like, oh well, when we play pickup, we don't play with the ball like in palm. Were you at Emerson yet? No, it would have been eighth grade basketball. You came in ninth, right? Yeah. Brad Brad Gordon scored fifty six. That was in eighth grade. He did that. Yeah, I don't think eighth I saw grade. that. I mean, it, it, it was one of the truly great. Holmes Holmes Emerson had this legit rivalry, kind of like Duke North Carolina, and we had Brad, and yeah. we, he had AJ, I mean, we had AJ. We had AJ riding. No, we didn't. You had AJ. No, riding. we had, we we had AJ had? too. Uh, I don't our think teams, we had anybody. Our team, our team was good, and uh, I watched from the bench. And Brad dominated. He scored fifty six. It was not Yeah, you guys didn't have many. You guys got you ran out the building. Emerson, who was our ninth grade best basketball player? Somebody who's listening can tell me. Yeah. Um, we had a saw in Minhaj. That's no, he was at Holmes also. He was. Yeah, I'm saying he was on my oh, team. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's he tells the story on Patriot Act, or maybe his original thing that Brad Pete and his Jordans. It was you know? it was the moth, yeah. And I don't think he named Brad. <laughs> but yeah, I according will. to sources. <laughs> but you know, it, it, we've come a long way. Hassan got famous. Brad became a sniper, an elite marine. Uh, it all kind of worked out for everyone. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Ease, E-A-Z-E dot com. Use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, and uh, get to work at Ease.com. Ease is the best delivery platform for the best legal licensed, fully tested marijuana products delivered to you in California. Anyone 21 or over can get verified online in minutes. I know this. I was like, should I have a cocktail and watch the game? And then I looked at my pen and I went, no, just Ease pen it. I also have a couple edibles. Uh, and just enjoy the games Thursday, basically through last night at about, I don't know, 930. <laughs> they just do not end. It was the greatest run ever because of Ease.com, promo code HAM. Your first purchase gets $20 off. You go over $50. You get a free delivery. And, again, you help Haberman get a country club membership, Middlecoff, get a new car. We need you. Ease.com, promo code HAM. Use it. Tell your friends. Southern California, Northern California, the Central Valley. You got friends in Portland. I I was told a couple weeks ago they just went into Portland. Yeah, uh, they're everywhere. Ease.com, guy. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. It it feels like they'll thrive in Portland, don't you think? Yeah. E a z e. Are you kidding? E a z e is how you spell ease.com. Promo code ham. Enjoy the moment. And this podcast is brought to you by. Speaking of enjoying the moment, my bookie. Mybookie.ag. Promo code ham. Numeral one, ham number one. I think all three of your uh, future uh, Final Four teams are. Yeah, I got, I got four. I got four. Oh, you got four in the mix still. I, I got four in the mix. I, I learned a tough lesson. Parlays. I, I'm I'm retiring from parlays. Okay. Uh, but my futures are still alive and well. All four, so four of the sixteen, feeling good. Also, guy, and you want to? There are some. All the lines are relatively small for the Sweet Sixteen. It's going to be a fun gambling weekend. We have a little world golf match play, Austin Country Club. Okay. Uh, and all the big dogs, Rory, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Jason Day. Also, Tiger playing. 
You can get him right now to win this match play. And I'm pretty sure he hasn't won a match play in a long time because it is kind of like the NCAA tournament. You got to win. I mean, it's hard. Uh, it's plus 2800 So basically 28 to $1. $100 wins $2,800. I kind of like that. Uh, how about Sergio Garcia, 45 to 1? Leishman? But, I mean, Dustin's probably a Rory safe bet, 10 to 1. I can't wait to watch it. I'm glad you told me that starts this week. And, by the way, baseball starts this week. Get your get your World Series future bets in. Maybe we'll talk about that on, on the next podcast. Well, I just pulled it up. You like the Diamondbacks, 60 to 1? Oh, do I like the Diamondbacks, John? <laughs> do you like the uh, Orioles, 600 to 1? Oh, do I like the Orioles? What about the Red Sox, 6 to 1? I do like the Red Sox. How about this? this is decent, What's the Astros? De- decent value here. Cubs, huh. 12 to 1. Okay, yeah, like that. Uh, Houston Astros six to so them and the Red Sox are the pretty heavy favorites. The Dodgers seven to one. Okay. Uh, how about the sleeper? I mean, the Mets kind of got a lot better, twenty two to one. God, the A's are getting no love, twenty five to one. That's the bet, John. That is the bet. Liam Hendricks. The, the Giants one hundred and twenty to one. Problem is that the A's have an incredible pitching staff on the IL right now. Did they do that for PC reasons? I think yes, absolutely. Yep. Because disabled is a shot? Correct. Uh, go, go go, to mybookie.ag, promo code HAM1, the number one, and uh, mybookie will match your deposit with a 50% bonus. By the way, Middlecoff, did you read my uh, my column from the 2002 Davis High newspaper? I, I was just – I mean, hey, I mean, you had upside as a columnist. Very you, aggressive. You witty. Funny. I mean, taking shots. Took a lot of shots. Jesus Christ. I mean, you were ahead of your time just throwing blows and ripping people. Yeah. You were like Stephen A. Smith meets <laughs> Skip Bayless meets Simmons. <laughs> yeah, I was... Uh, at the time you wrote that, like, you didn't even know who Bill Simmons was, right? That was just kind of an original... Oh, two? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was just kind of original. That was a little Sports Illustrated-ish. A little yeah, Bill it was. Riley. It was. Would you say? Yeah. Bill Riley, is that his name? No. Rick Riley. Rick, Rick Riley. Riley. Yeah. Would you say you were inspired by Rick Riley in that column? Yeah, yes, absolutely. 100% Just a, a copy. A 17-year-old curmudgeon <laughs> ripping people. I mean, guy, every single line was just ripping people. <laughs> but you know what? That, like anyone our age, and it's going to be like, if you're 25 or under, you won't ever remember this. Probably from the beginning of newspapers till what would you say like mid two thousands, you lived for a column after a game of just going in on something, right? And that's that that kind of gone now. It's TV wise that that happens. It no longer happens with with uh, r- the written word. But Haberman had a fucking upside to just be one of the truly great. If that would have been nineteen seventy five, our generations Rick Riley. <laughs> The timing was just off. I know. God, what, what, what might have been? Problem is, I don't like writing either. So I don't really either. It just uses my brain, and because I don't really read enough, it's just I, I feel like uh, it makes it, it's a intellectual exercise. Yeah. No, it's, so, it's you, you like go read the dictionary to add words to your vocabulary. It's true. Did you do that before uh, the March Madness? No, but I do have a list of a variety of, you know, just as a refresher, something I'll peek at. Like, okay, different ways to say. Throw me one. Well, I mean, uh, like one thing I came up with a while ago, and I've only used it a couple times. I don't want to overuse it. But, you know, just describing locations on the floor. So 
you know, like this, the baseline 12 footer, sometimes I call it, uh, the side porch front porch is like right in front of the basket side porch. Um, what do you think about the clandestine nature of the NCAA? Wait, what? See, <laughs> clandestine, you know, yeah, kind of dark, great. I love that word. murky. Yeah. yeah. Just, that's, that's one of my, you know, strong vocabulary words. God, this guy, a Harvard grad. No state school guy. <laughs> <laughs> so how could I use that in the, in a, in a play by play situation? Like a steal? A cl- uh, yeah, a clandestine I mean, uh, lurker comes from the weak side with the interception. Yeah, it, it, it's probably yeah, it's it's more of a commentary than it I would feel like, be a play by play. I feel like there'd be a play, and then Bill Rafferty would just go clandestine. <laughs> yeah, see, that's how you do it. You just let it rip. You just go Stephen A. You just use one word, and then you just slow, and you just gotta go. You go bamboozled, and then you just go away from the mic. <laughs> Because Stephen A. has mastered that, right? Yeah. Just say the same word, word, but four times. Yeah, and and then just go quiet for a second and a half. Well, radio's, you know, radio is, uh, solo radio show's long, John. Yeah. Magic bamboozled the Lakers. (laughs) Bam! And then you got to stretch out in the right. Bamboozled! You know what's funny is I was making fun of him on Twitter for not knowing that uh, Social was still the manager. And then you realize if you're Stephen A, like, why do you? No one gives a fuck about baseball. No one talks about it from a national perspective. Who cares? Now the Hunter Henry thing's probably a bigger deal, but him not knowing that Mike Sosha was the manager, I'd say most casual sports fans don't. Well, know but I think the problem comes in like there's a difference between going, who's the Angels manager? Is is it Mike Sosha still? And Mike Sosha, the Angels manager. Well, 100%. Well, he's at the point now where he just goes all in on something, and then when you're wrong, you look 10 times worse. Which, by the way, we should point out that the time we met Stephen A. at at, uh, Intercom San Francisco headquarters, uh, it was very enjoyable. Super, very enjoyable. I'll tell you this, guys. My my two brief interactions with two of the biggest personalities in sports media, Chris Russo, for a brief second going into the bathroom at Radio Row, and Stephen A. Smith at the radio station – could not have been fucking cooler and nicer. So I, no matter how crazy, because sometimes I'll be listening to Russo, and he says some things that just kind of more old school about like women in sports and just right. Ra- if people truly were cutting it up and it went viral, I think people would be like, "What did he say?" And Stephen A is a little different. He doesn't do that as much, but he's just wrong. Those two guys, just because they're. I don't even know the word crazy person. They just get going. Uh, I'm a huge fan of them both, and I support them. All right, John, let's get into uh, the NCAA tournament. Again, when you go when you go to think about the bet on the NCAA tournament, go to mybookie.ag, promo code HAM, and then the number one, HAM1, and you'll get 50% off your first deposit. Um, where can we start? Actually, before we get to the Sweet 16 games, can we just talk for a second about Duke-UCF? Yeah, I, what do you I, think? I, did you think that there was uh, enough evidence that the ball did not hit the rim to take two points away from UCF? It was 74-70. They went to the replay. They needed conclusive evidence. Sneaky, one of the best hires in recent modern television hiring. Steratora, two for one, does the NFL and the NCAA tournament because he was a did basketball he, did official. He, did he used to do basketball? Yeah, his like whole career? up until last year, he was an NCAA official or maybe two so years he, ago. He, he did it both. He did the NFL, and then when the NFL would end, he'd do college basketball games. Yes. There's like another he, guy. Who's the other guy that does it right now? Um, white-haired. 
Did he ever do like when you were calling a Pac-12 game? Would he do a Pac-12 game? No, or I don't what? think I had him. I, I no. What 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 conference did he do? Maybe Big Ten, Big Twelve. I feel like I saw him. He did he not live in Stockton, California, or is that a different guy? No, that's the guy. That's the that's uh um, Pete Morelli. Is the AD at Saint at Saint Mary's in Stockton? Like the principal or something at a yeah like a high school. Saint Mary's in Stockton is the school. Y- yes, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Produced Isaiah Burst, who got a cup of coffee in the league. Um. Who's the other? There's another guy that somebody should hire because he does both of them. What's his name? Uh, it's not Gene, but anyway, I'll, it'll come to me. What's the big guy? Hockey League. Oh, Vinovich. Bill Vinovich. Bill Vinovich is also a college basketball official. Hockey I mean, League's kids in the league right now, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you do both? You know, it's like a broadcaster. It's like you can do baseball, then basketball, then football. You just you might as well ref. So, uh, you know, Fox wouldn't hire him because they got a guy. Because Pereira does a good job, but and it. Anyway, Landino, Landino just looks like he's made it for TV. <laughs> so, you, but you didn't, you didn't have any issue with them. Not. Well, I thought that every angle, I thought it was a little bit like, uh, remember the Edelman play in the AFC Championship, where it was like, God, this is really close. But I do think it did not touch his hand, even though it was like millimeters. Yeah, I thought the same thing with the basketball. Because every thought angle it didn't touch the rim, but you weren't positive. Yeah, I, 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 you put a gun to my head, it'd be hard to say one hundred percent didn't hit the rim. But I, I was fine with the call. I'm I'm glad. Dude, I thought the game was awesome. Because what happened? It, it hit the rim. Dude so got it, the rebound, missed a the shot, then Taco picked it up. The and ball dunked. came like from one side of the basket over, and it like squeezed between the rim and the backboard. Taco grabbed it and dunked it. But the shot clock should have expired. But uh, whatever. I, I, got, I got a quick. I don't know if this is a hot take. I think Taco's like a legitimate NBA prospect. If Boban can play, like he, this guy's playing in the NBA. Well, he right? like moves like a guy. Like he's his body's proportional. He is by no means just some super tall basketball scrub. The problem is, can he? I don't. I haven't watched him enough to know. Like, does he? Is he in foul trouble every game? But again, Boban just you just play a role. Why, if Boban can do it, this guy can do it. That's my takeaway from. I bet against him in the first game, and then I almost put chasing my losses a grand on UCF thirteen and a half only because watching him against VCU. And I, it's not like I know that much against VCU, besides just they're a good program. They look like, God, UCF's really good. And then you're watching the Duke game. It was clear like 10 minutes in, UCF's fucking just good. Now, are they going to end up losing by 20? Because there was a stretch where I like, got to eight. But they just, they were relentless. I know. I'm pretty I, I, happy they lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For so the sake that, of the tournament. <laughs> it was, even Coach K said after when he was with Tracy, like, we got lucky. I mean, that dude's tip. The dude had an incredible one-handed oh tip. Oh my god! I watched that replay. I couldn't stop watching that replay. Aubrey Dawkins. Did you think? Did you think that Zion would hit the free throw, or did you think he was going to miss it? I I didn't even occur to me that he was going to miss it. I was like, this is because what I was watching in that moment. I'm looking at Zion's face, and I'm going, here is Taco Fall, like who had played well, and it said Zion's not going to dunk on me. And I wonder if saying Zion's not going to dunk on me was why he ended up fouling him. Do you have to call foul on that? Aren't you allowed to go straight up? Yeah, but he did. Well, the problem was. Well, he's if, eight feet tall. Guys. If you're in the restricted so gonna... area, you got to stay straight up. Once you bring your arms down a little bit, which he did, you're going to get the call. Now, the problem is what makes it hard for him is if Zion goes into your body, it's hard for your arms not to come straight down, which is why. Uh, who was the analyst on that game? Uh, was it Grant Hill? Yeah, maybe it was Grant. One of them, Grant or uh, was it Len Elmer? No, it wasn't Len. It was I was watching and... the gym on mute. Oh, Rafferty. 
we're saying like that you should go into the big guy's body because that's kind of what happens. But anyway, well, yeah. Annie had Annie had four fouls. Did you think Zion was going to miss time it? Uh, I'll say this. I'll never forget the Coach K quote I think Jay Billis got about Christian Leitner. He may miss or not, but it's not because he choked. Like, I watched Zion take a couple threes as the game went on. I was like, this guy might miss these shots, but right. he, this motherfucker is unfazed. I thought their whole team just kind of carried themselves. Sometimes, you know, young teams in the tournament that have a bunch of hype, you feel their ass get tight. Like, they were just they were just getting hit in the mouth by another good team, and they just carried themselves. Like, I thought they just carried themselves yeah. and played. They were impressive. I know. He did miss that free throw really short, though. But there was, like, legit – I'm not saying the he didn't feel the pressure. Yeah. But I, I don't feel like he's scared for the No, moment. I love watching that team. Don't you love watching that team? Like, they've got guys on the team who are key players I've never heard of. Well, like that number 12 guy <laughs> plays like, a decent amount. Like, oh, they got, there's more than three players on the – four players on this team. Well, here's my question for them. Not that this is like a – because obviously the three guys, I mean, Zion, Reddish, and RJ. Like, does Trey Jones have to go pro? Like, can he just come back to school? You know, is it worth getting picked 35? Like, he's a good player. Like, can that guy just come back? Now, wasn't his brother a one and done? That's – I hope that guy comes back. Now, what's the likelihood of Trey Jones not coming out? Zero? I don't know. I haven't really talked to anybody about Trey Jones. <laughs> it's a good question. I haven't – th- Do you think right now as we sit here, I think it's going to be hard for Duke to win the tournament. I mean, it's going to be hard for all these I – mean, I think yeah. it's, it's the first time – Second time in NCAA history, I stole this from Aaron Torres. You follow that guy? He was yeah. on with uh, Coward. Did all, every one, two, and three seed made it to the Sweet 16. And really, like two fours and a five and then Oregon. So it's it basically, in Oregon, as we were talking before the for recording, they were a preseason top five, top ten team who still clearly is healthy and fucking good. You know, they're not just some little engine that could. That no, I mean, their their point guard was a freshman on a was a starting freshman on a final four team. They've got a lottery pick in Lewis King. They've got legit bigs. They've got this one guy, Ehab Amin, who just like led the nation in assists at Corpus Christi something something university. Too. I mean, in steals. He was the guy just run all over the place, creating turnovers. I, I, here's the other and they've got I a take. great coach, like a great, as Harbaugh would say, with a capital G coach, Dan Altman. My takeaway from basketball right now is the sec who has made so much money from football this last 10 year run has now put so much money into basketball just because when you have profits you just reinvest and you 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 see it right now like their programs the level of coaches they have like kentucky's always been good but now alabama expects to make the tournament every year auburn goes out and gets bruce pearl remember last year george like why tom cream go to georgia i don't know they paid him five million dollars a year They're, they're gonna be better uh who am I missing? Tennessee's got Rick Barnes. Last time I checked, Rick Barnes at fucking Texas forever doing pretty well. Like the SEC, and this shows, and this bothers me about the Pac-12, I, I hope that they realize, I mean, they get it in theory, but you go all in on football, and you win football, and you make money, everyone benefits. It was always my issue at Fresno State with Thomas Bay. Like, bro, you don't get it. Like, football pays for everything. Absolutely. It, it, I, I watched this thing on Facebook with Coach Cal. And Coach Cal, he did this Facebook series. He made like a million dollars. I guess he gave it all to charity. But he was just saying like, this is a basketball school and everything. This was, I watched the version was like 
it was right before Kentucky played their bowl game. Best best season they had had in like school history in football. And he's like, I, it's not lost on me how important it is for this football program to be. It benefits us all. And this is Coach Cal at Kentucky talking like, they have this earning potential. We need them to be good. We all benefit here. And I think that the SEC has figured that out just because, again, it just means more like football means the most. But when you care a lot about football and you invest in football, every fucking one benefits. And there's just so much money to be made with football that now you see it with all these schools. Ben Howell, we were talking like – Ben Howell at UCLA, who was – I know it ended weird because he went all in. Remember, like Shabazz Muhammad in that season, and it just got weird. Took UCLA to like four straight tournaments and got to two Final Fours. Like that guy's an elite coach. Yeah. I, well, elite, elite might be strong, but – No, I maybe I haven't said it to you, but I, I've talked to a lot of people just over the course of the basketball season, and I – completely agree and I've believed this for a while just that when you look at who they hire they hire people that cost money because they hire people that have chips maybe not championships but chips right like Tennessee loses Bruce Pearl Rick Barnes is their coach now Bruce Pearl's still in the league I mean and the other one you know the one that's sneaky like Frank Martin was coaching a real basketball program when he got the South Carolina job. Like, are you taking other people's good coaches or are the fired coaches you're hiring? Here's an interesting one. Like, is Thad Mata going to end up at, at an SEC school at Alabama? Now, maybe Thad just doesn't want to coach. Like, I think he had had some health issues and kind of semi-retired, whatever. But is Alabama going to be able – is Alabama just going to give Chris Beard the bag? Because people think, like, right now, Chris Who's Beard Chris Texas, Beard? Texas Tech is, like, one of the best uh. coaches in the country. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the debate is like, is Alabama a better job than Texas Tech? Well, do you know who I haven't even mentioned? L- I mean, LSU, that guy's pretty good, right? I know he's suspended, but. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he was a, a highly sought after coach when LSU hired him, Will Wade. Where, where did they get him from? Um, I want to say he not was Wich- like. Not well, Wichita State, but a team that was making like legitimate the tournament. Yeah, everywhere. I mean, he was making the tournament. But I, that, that's what I'm talking about, guy. Like, no, I, it, I know. So. Like, VC, it was VCU. Okay, he followed Shaka. That's what I thought. Yeah, I mean they're go they're they're getting the top because they pay. And right. The so so this is my point on this, this is my point on Alabama. Is Alabama a better job than Texas Tech? Well, I don't know. Are they going to pay you a bunch of money? They might. If they do, then it becomes a better job. Has there, I, I haven't even read. Have there been rumors that Bama's going to try to get the guy from Texas Tech? Well, I mean, he's just going to be at the top of everybody's list. They didn't fire Avery Johnson to go take a, some swing at some assistant. You know. They're going to go after right. Ed Coe. Yeah. And they're going to have the financial means because of Nick, right? Like, He's say what you want about Conzo. Like, Conzo Martin wanted to go back to the Midwest, but he was a head coach at a major conference school. I thought about this yesterday, guy, when I read the Cal Fire, the basketball coach. Because by year two, it was like, Quanzo, and this is natural in sports, where you look at the guy's flaws more than the positives. The chances that Cal basketball gets a coach of Quanzo's caliber in the next three head coaches they hire slim to none to me. See, I don't agree with that. I don't, like he's a good coach, the, but I, I don't that to me that's not an unreal. They should be able to hire Travis like whether or not the guy turns out to be that, but like the guy at Montana who people wanted them to hire this guy when they hired Conzo Travis DeCure is thought of as just a high level coach. Well, but here's the thing, guy, and we know this because we live in it. The U and we I, we lived in Davis, so around the UC system. The U and Cal Kami was tweeting this yesterday. Gottlieb was tweeting this. The challenges of the UC system, 
Like Oregon doesn't deal with it, Arizona. The UC system, you see this with Cal and UCLA. There are major hurdles that these other programs, even in the in the conference, don't have to deal with. No There's doubt. challenges that make it difficult for various reasons. No doubt. And, and, and money is one of them. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, they might get the Irvine guy or Montana guy, but they also might not. Like that – that guy might just say, well, go, I'd rather have the Oregon State job or wherever, you know? Yeah. Just I, I'm just saying I don't think – like, I think Conzo's a good coach. I think you should be able to get a but coach But I'll say this. this like, he's had – beside Cal, look at his other two jobs, Tennessee and Missouri, like two SEC jobs. Like, he's just a head coach. Like, they just hired a guy that had no business being a head coach, right? Clearly. I think the – I read the players kind of turned on him. Yeah, I I think that one that one bothers me just because it gets a little. He never deserved the job, and it was a total disaster. I mean, on paper, it was a disaster. I never thought they looked like they had an incompetent person coaching them. I'm not saying yeah. he should be the coach. You you met the I mean, it's a that nice one guy. Gets, sure. Like I watched his practices. Like I thought they were run the way. Like I've asked other coaches, other people who I've worked with, who were like analysts. Like, what do you think? I'm like, no, he's doing the right things. Now, whatever. Does that mean he should be the head coach? I'm not saying well, that. What was his deal? Was he young? Was he inexperienced? Like, I don't know. It's so I, it's. I don't know. But he was on Kwanzaa's staff, right? Yeah, yeah. Looked just kind of like him, bald guy. I know. Beard. Um, maybe, that's, maybe that's what they thought. They'd get another... I mean, Florida hired Mike White, which was a legit hire, but he was not a major college coach. But he was clearly an up-and-comer, which was a good hire. Arkansas, the Mike Anderson one, are they? is Arkansas playing basketball? Uh, but that, that Mike Anderson was a legitimate, like he was at Missouri going to the, yeah, but there's some weird stuff going on. Remember? Yeah. I mean, there's weird stuff going on in big programs. Yeah. No, I, I, they've, there's, I don't think there's any question that football money has made the basketball better and not just basketball. Like everything is getting better for them. Their baseball teams are legit. Their softball teams are legit. Like they're just, they're spending their money. Would you say that of the five major conferences, they're the cream of the crop? Yeah, overall? because they, yeah, to me, they're making the most money, and they're just—I don't know again, if the championships like, across the board add up, but it feels like they're in everything. They gymnastics—they're they, just in it. They do have just this unique, like women's basketball. They're in it. They—they they have a different level fan base. That's just not really replicable. I mean, like we're not going to compete that. with that out here. Yeah, uh, Sweet Sixteen games. Anything? I do agree with that. By the way. I'm looking at um, – I got my bracket. Okay, here. well – So, I like uh, – tell me what the – what's the line? Here's the team I like like right now is Gonzaga. What's the line on their game? Gonzaga's playing Florida State. We got State. seven and a half. They beat the shit out of John Morant. Florida State. Yeah, how about that? Jeez. That game was over – I thought the halftime score was the final score of that game. Yeah, they're, they're good, guy. I saw the just, halftime score and thought the game had been over. Just know this. The ACC has three number one seeds. And it's one of them's not Florida State. So that and Florida State hung and they got Virginia, like the ACC stacked. Yeah. Because John Middlecoff right now is about two G's in the hole. But if Tennessee or Kentucky are to win the championship, I'll break even. If Gonzaga were to win, I'll be about fourteen hundred dollars in the hole. And if Michigan State, why I didn't actually mind Duke going out yesterday, and oh. also basically break even because then it would be Michigan State. But I like my chances, guy. I mean, I I feel good. Kentucky, I think P.J. Washington was the defensive SEC player of the year, is in a walking boot on this roller thing that I'm sure we'll break down the coach's picture a little later this week. Did you know Doug Peterson's also on one of those right no. now? Has the coach's <laughs> a, picture come out? 
No, they just arrived. Today oh, or I can't wait. It's an annual he, tradition for those of you new to the podcast. An annual tradition for us going back to terrestrial radio is a full breakdown of the coaches owners meeting team photo. He had a foot injury and foot surgery. So he's on a roller. Do you know how he hurt himself? I've not really looked into it. I think it was just a nagging issue that he needed some work done. How about uh, Oregon on their run, John, has had the number one defense in the nation, and now they play the team that everyone talks about having the best defense in the country, Virginia. I um, would not mind Virginia going out. What's the line on that? You told me it was kind of big, right? Uh, Didn't you say it was like yeah, eight, eight, eight and a half? Yeah, eight and a half. Jeez. So if you like Oregon to upset, I mean, it's almost plus, I mean, three and a half to one. Money line? Money line, which I don't really hate. Purdue, Tennessee is a tough one for me. I, I don't. Purdue's good. Uh, I think that's just to me. That's the ultimate coin flip game. Like that, those teams are pretty similar. I think LSU is really good, but again, their coach is not around. But again, it hasn't really mattered. Michigan State. Are you going to bet against Michigan State in this environment? I think Michigan State would then have who? Michigan State would Virginia? then have Duke God or damn. Virginia Tech. Who's got? Uh, who would play Gonzaga in the Elite Eight? Uh, the winner of uh, Texas Tech, Michigan. So Gonzaga probably should be in the final four. Would you agree? I mean, it's kind of hard, but I mean, it's. I would put my money on them right now. Yeah, I, I think they're fantastic. Yeah, I love Gonzaga. What, what about Kentucky? You feel good about Kentucky? Because I think North Carolina might be the best team in this tournament. I feel good about North Carolina. That was my next question for you: was what is the Auburn North Carolina line? Because I feel pretty good about North Carolina. I think Five. Auburn played like the game of it. Auburn's good, but they played at the top end the other day. Well, like I saw Bruce Pearl giving his pregame speech. But getting to the Sweet 16 for Auburn's a really big deal. Like this, First time in 16 years. Wouldn't you say for North Carolina, like, this is the baseline. Like, they, yeah. they don't – they expect to be favored in this game. Like, that's why you go to North Carolina. Right. You're getting to the Sweet 16 as a favorite than to make your run to the big dance. So to me, to me, there are several teams that like winning this game is nothing else is acceptable. North Carolina, I'd even say for Kentucky, like you can't lose to Houston. I know Houston's good, right? But, but just in can't the big lose picture, Houston in the Sweet 16, yeah. they have to win this game, and Duke can't lose to Virginia Tech. Like those Friday's games are good, but those three teams to me have like legit. You just can't lose this game if you're those teams, like Gonzaga. They've had this run. Like, even Nova got bounced. Like, yeah, we won a couple times. But I would say, if you're Gonzaga, here's the problem for Gonzaga, is this is your fifth straight Sweet 16, best streak in the country. That's what I'm saying. Like, they've they've already No, but hold on, though. But what I'm saying is, you were in the national, like, Gonzaga winning, Gonzaga University winning a national championship in men's basketball, like, in the grand scheme of a 25-year window, would be an all-time accomplishment, right? Like, right now, they're just good. But if they were to win uh, a national title, that would be an incredible story. Especially and, they were on, you, and they were on the doorstep two years ago. And this, I think, is their most complete team. Especially, wouldn't you say, the the validation it would serve given the, given the field right now? Like, you won a national championship in this group? Right. Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, fucking Michigan State. Uh, who am I living out here? Purdue, a historical power. Michigan. Virginia. Oregon. That's it's an incredible group of it like is. Gonzaga would be like we beat all these guys. That's right. Yeah, I, you're right. So I, it, I don't be think I don't think Gonzaga's playing with house money because they to me are like a long term. They've been a more like think about Butler had 
two shots at it. Didn't get it done. Probably will they ever get another shot at it like they would, had. Would this set Calipari, if he's able to pull this off, would this make Calipari more than it would make Mark Few, you think? Because I think Kentucky actually is one of those teams that's kind of flown on the radar. He's only won one championship in 10 years. Probably beside Coach K, he's the most famous coach. Well, but his resume is a little hollow. I would say no. How many titles does K have? Like five or six. No, no, no. Calipari. Wrong K. I meant to see. Sorry. Uh, I think he's got one. University of Kentucky. Once you, To me, like, once you get one, now you're like, Bill Self has one. Calipari's, why do I feel like he had two? I, but he's got one. But he, lost, he, one. he lost in the fadeaway shot to, what's his name, Mario Chalmers. That's right, Kansas. Um, Bayheim has one. But, but he would have got he, it taken away because that Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, Bayheim has one. So I, I think the upside for few, like, to get one at Gonzaga is just, like, that to me is, I don't know, that'd be massive. That'd be a massive. It, it'd be it'd be big for it. It'd be Izzo second. He's only got one. Yeah, God, it's funny, John. Like, you just get one, and now you are. He goes to show, like, Coach K. You're a made, you're a made man with one. Like you, well, you, Coach, Coach K is the saving. Well, yeah. what's what's Roy? I mean, Roy's got three, and he's been to a couple more. Yeah. Like to um, me, when you say Roy's on a different level than the Cows, the Izzos. Yeah. Roy Sneaky, one of the greatest basketball coaches ever. Right. He has three national championships. He's been on the Final Four nine times. Since he's been in North Carolina, he's won the ACC nine times. He won. The Big 12 four times. Yeah, I mean, he's – if he were to win it, which he might. I mean, guy, if Roy Roy Williams, if he were to win this week, or I'm guess in two weeks, would have four championships at North Carolina. Wow. At North Carolina. How many do you think Dean Smith has? Not four. Probably – Actually, you know, the famous – How many does he have? Two? A little, little before our time, but – like, one of the knocks on Dean is he wasn't the greatest X's and O's coach, and, like, Bobby used to take advantage of him, that he should have. He has two championships, but you look at his resume of players, right? He had – how many fucking Hall of Famers did he have? I mean, Worthy, Michael, per- Perkins. Perkins. I don't know if Perkins is a Hall of Famer, but, you know, we'll, we'll roll. I mean, we're, we're naming players that were playing before. But even, we... like – and then he really got humming with the Vince Carters, the Rasheed Wallet. Like, they had some squads. You could argue they almost underachieved some of those 90 teams. Do you know that Rasheed Wallace is like a high school basketball, he's got a high school basketball coaching job? The guy that produces my Colin Coward podcast, his son plays at that school. (laughs) Because he randomly texted me a couple weeks ago. He's like, bro, Rasheed Wallace was just named the head coach of my son's high school. Where is that school? Is it in LA? Yeah, I think it's in like North Carolina. Oh, okay. He lives on the East Coast. All right, John, uh, on to some NFL stuff. Matt Barrows wrote about this. Hard Knocks versus the China game for the 49ers. I didn't know there was a China game, but there's a China game. And uh, Barrows, Matt Barrows of The Athletic, your colleague, writes that the Niners are going to play in a China game in 2020, the opener, right? And the trade-off for them is going to be that they don't have to play, that they don't have to have hard knocks in 2019. So they're trading a 2019 hard knocks for a 2021st game in China. Uh, I don't like the value of the trade, John. I would rather have hard knocks than have to go to China. Because to me, China, you might only play one game, but it's really two. 
because yeah, you, you're not doing you're not doing the bye week too. That's just not happening. Wait, wait, what do you mean? Well, I know we had talked about before the podcast. Like, do you do a bye week too? Because the like they're oh, playing right. a week yeah. two bye. Yeah, you don't want yeah. that. No. So now you got to go to China, play a game. Even if you get a few extra days, if you lose, if you lose in China, and then you come back and lose because you were in China. That's a disaster, and it's not worth trading having some cameras around for Hard Knocks. Like, Hard Knocks does whatever you want. Like, Hard Knocks is not putting film of you ripping players on there if you don't want them to. I get they don't want them around, but... Wouldn't you say that's really, really tapered off on the personnel meetings? Remember that used to happen like, the early 2000s? Like, those don't even exist anymore. Yeah. They do not film those. I, I would say the Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley interaction which was probably the most powerful part of hard knocks last year was almost an outlier scene from previous seasons on hard knocks maybe because the browns didn't give a shit they wanted Hugh to look bad i i i'm with you i i think it's a tad bit overrated the impact of hard knocks one thing's clear guy the nfl wants the niners to do it like they don't want to the raiders are too big a pain in the ass even though they'd be a good hard knocks uh, and they're moving and everything. Maybe wait till next year in Vegas. The Lions are irrelevant. Some of these other teams, like that's they a great want, point. They are. They, it does make sense. Wait on the Raiders until they're in Vegas. The, to me, they want the Niners are the team they have pegged here. And like any good negotiator, the Niners are trying to. They have to give in because they desperately don't want this. And I and I think I don't know where you stand on this. I mm. I don't want to say. Uh, misinformed probably the wrong word but I, I i think they're taking this a little too seriously like the impact of it is not that big of a deal i, I actually think it would be a positive for the team be cool for the fans I, I don't think the impact is quite what they think honestly i think the Niners would be sneaky boring was there a hard knocks like in atlanta when kyle was there did he have, like a bad experience with a hard knocks i were the Falcons? Uh, they were. I remember they yeah, were because I remember might, Mike Smith. It might have been his first year, like oh, 14 or 15. Yeah, I remember I Mike thought, Smith then, wearing Tevas or Tevas or whatever, like the open-toed sandals. Oh, that was a big deal in the middle class home. I, I, I do think that the uh, the Atlanta Hard Knocks, if I remember correctly, was pretty boring because Matt Ryan's pretty boring. Dimitrov, Mike Smith was definitely boring. There's just not much. I wonder if Kyle experienced it and thought it was a pain. I, I mean – yeah, does, I, I, does the organization just really want to go to China? Like, I, no, I I think that they are old school football guys, <clears throat> and they believe that distractions and all that bullshit messes with your team chemistry to their core. And I and I just think fundamentally they're wrong. I mean, it's easy for me to say, but I'm trying. I'm looking at the year. So it was 14. Yeah, I mean, what you the, it was so 14. Kyle, Kyle was in Cleveland that year. Kyle's first year in Atlanta was 15. So so 15, 16, and then he's here 17, 18, and that. Okay. So there goes that theory. But maybe he got there and people are like, oh, hard knock sucks. I don't know. But I'm with you. Like, I don't – especially because the Niners do, and they do a good job. They shoot their own kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. And so it's probably less – it's just less cameras, less people, less stuff. I'm but, with you. I, I would just do hard knocks to keep my home game. Yeah. I mean, John, we go to practice. There's a million people all over the place. Like, there's cameras everywhere. Like, this, this stuff – is around anyway. 
So unless they're now look, maybe we're not. I'm dismissing it. You're dismissing it. Maybe they just China. We want to get our brand to China. Maybe they really want to go to China. I don't. I don't. I don't think. But Barrows wrote it like it was a trade off, and I guess you could here if we're going to play devil's advocate, you could just be like, look, 2019 is such a critical year for us that we just don't want to leave. We'll deal with 2020 later. If we're bad in 2019, then 2020 that's a problem one way or the other, going to China or not. But I just feel like if if the Niners are what they what they want to be in 2019, what is like what would you say? We'll get to Jed, but what would you say just generally is success in 2019? Like uh, make above 500 and compete okay. for a wild card. So nine and seven and a wild card team. Well, if they go nine and seven this year and they're a wild card team, then in 2020 the baseline will be nine and seven. Well. Now the margins are really thin. Let's say you go well, nine guy, and seven. Guy, if they went miss- nine and seven, we'd be talking Super Bowl contender. Right. But John, if you go nine and seven, that means you either make or miss the playoffs by a game, right? Like that's how thin the margin is. So yeah. that means you're gonna go through that experience in theory, come back the next year and play a home game in China, and then potentially have that affect your next game. Like when all of a sudden you're now we're talking about winning a division if you've gone nine and seven. If you've gone eight and eight. Now we're talking about ten, eleven wins, maybe more. And that's the year you're going to give a game away? Like, I I just don't. These individual wins and losses are so critical. Guy, I, I am 100. I would not mess with China. I Because at first I was like, God, Jed's kind of getting pushed around. And then I read the article. I'm like, oh, it's a trade-off. Uh, because I'm never in favor of giving up home games. No, I, I, I fundamentally disagree with it, especially for China. Uh, I, I just... I would do hard knocks, 100%. I, I think they are overvaluing the negative impact of hard knocks, especially when you look at their crew. Like you said, turns out Kyle wasn't a part of it. Lynch has never been a part of it. There's this negative connotation that goes around because in theory you go, oh, Belichick would never do it. Now, the good thing for Belichick, he makes the playoffs every year, so he's absolved. Uh, but it's like, hey, guys, you know, you've kind of earned this lot in life. Now, thing with business, you can always negotiate your way out of it, and they're doing that because I would imagine no other team – is saying okay to China, right? The teams that moved had no choice. They had to, they go to London and they go to, I think this, I'm pretty sure the Rams are playing a game in China this year in the middle of the season. But again, that's what? because they were moved. They, yeah, there's a, they're playing an overseas game or maybe Mexico. Maybe it's Mexico, but it's the, the Rams were giving up a home game, which I, I understand, but I, I'm just, for that trade off, I'm not into it. I just, again, like you said, We've been. To, I've been going to these fucking training camp practices for ten plus years now in the NFL. They're they're a shit show. They're fucking people everywhere. It's just and the players, they are unfazed by it. I, I've always said going back to like Pat Hill, coaches think about more stuff than the players. You just hey, plane leaves at nine. They'll have a sandwich for you on the plane. If you worry like, does every guy gonna get two Gatorades? Do we get it? Like the players don't even think about it. Just be like, wear your team sweats. Plane leaves here. Be here then. Hey, there is no food. Bring a sandwich if you have to tell them that. They'll do it. Swing by and grab us some food before we leave. The plane said they're not going to have any food for us. Like the players are like, okay, not that big of a deal. I think coaches and executives in football more than any other sport overthink the impact that it has on players. Like Jimmy's just, you give him the itinerary for the week, he's just going to do what you tell him to do. It's like the military guy. But again, I get like the general in the military has to think of all everything, but it's easy to overthink shit that is not going to phase the troops. 
you just the troops will do what you're telling them to do. If you're like, hey, hey, Jimmy, Hard Knock's gonna be here. You got to meet with the uh, NFL Films cameras. I don't know, uh, two times a week for 15 minutes. I'm like, okay. Even if he doesn't love it, you do it. So I think that's the big knock. Yeah. You're not they, like you said, guy. They don't give away trade secrets. You get to see everything before it's released. That's one of the things, right? The team gets to see it, and guy, yeah, yeah, you can't put that in. Now, man, I would say that's a waste of our time that we even have to go through that. And be like, yeah, it's part of the deal, Kyle. Kyle's not the one reviewing the film. Like, if there's anything of a question, then they maybe come to him with it. I get why you don't want to do hard knocks. I just don't get how it's worse than going to China. That's all. Um, speaking of all this, Matt Mayoko spoke with Jed York, who's been kind of out of sight, out of mind when it comes to football operations, right? Uh, he's let the guys do their thing. Like it, it's been impressive. Uh, and he talked about big, big, big baller brand just folded by the I way. I know. I, I <laughs> do you want to call about face? Talk about that. I can you imagine if you spent, here's my question on big baller brand, John, let's talk about this. I thought they had some positive momentum. The, the problem was Big Baller Brand had an F rating with the Better Business Bureau. So BBB... Did you, did, did you read the story? Yes. It was fantastic, was it not? It was fantastic. Like a, like a legit crime story where you kind of feel, God, these guys kind of got duped. Because it wasn't their idea. Got you duped, know? but it was kind of like it had some legs. Well, because, because wouldn't you say LeVar became such a great marketer? Like he helped take him. Right. More than Lonzo. LeVar was incredible at his role. The, the head of marketing is basically what he was. Again, as LeVar said, they didn't think of this. This this former felon that randomly had a kid that was Lonzo's age befriended him and had this idea. It's not like – you know what I think a lot of people crushed LeVar and Lonzo? All you guys were thinking about is your brand and big bo- – this was never their idea. Like I think that they were just – they were really focused on like back in the day making the NBA, playing well, being a big-time guy. This guy came in with the idea and then stole from him. Yeah, I will say, like... I'm not saying that they're totally innocent. LeVar, in this <laughs> yeah, okay. But Le- I don't think... Something's clear is, like, LeVar, he ain't a criminal or anything. Like, he just... I think he kind of that... I tweeted this the other day. Most people, out of the goodness of their heart, want to see the best in people. I know Twitter's so negative. People don't think like that. When you meet someone, you start interacting with them, if you like them, you, you naturally want to see the best in that human being. And I do. It's kind of understandable how they could get fucked in this whole situation by this jet felon. Well, especially because you know the whole thing kind of fed into Lavar's ego, right? And he kind of felt like this is working. The problem was people were paying hundreds of dollars for shoes and like not getting them or getting the wrong thing. I mean, it really they were not ready for the, the even the guy who's the felon wasn't ready for the success. That like I don't think he was ready. And then the problem is like they hurt Lonzo's feet. Or something. You see the Lakers think part of his injury was for the shoe. Yes. Uh, but I do, like, I still give them credit. Like, they got, a, they got a shoe brand off the ground out of thin air in, like, six months. They were it selling was incredible. T-shirts. Where, where if you went to the website, LeVar was the model. <laughs> like It was incredible. It was a bare-bones operation, and they made it feel, because you can get away with this, just big. Just the more we spend, the more the shoe costs. The thing is, I liked Big Baller Brand when I thought it was LeVar's idea. 
Like, I didn't like I it, but I just mean, like, that name and that logo is so terrible that it works if it's somebody who's not a business person. But if you're a business incredible. person and this is your plan, then you just take a million and a half and think no one will notice? Yeah, and the one thing is, the richer you get, like, Lonzo didn't have Guy Haberman or John Middlecoff working his books. Like, he had some legit dude from Wells Fargo or wherever working at his finances, and those guys pretty easily, it's like, I have an accountant, you have an accountant, they can just find, like, hey, you'll just get an email as they're going through your tax, like, hey, what happened here, or what, something this. Their ability, like, they look at numbers like you and I would want to break down the first half of a Niner game. I mean, it just comes natural to them. So this guy spotted this missing money. And when you have that much money, I'm sure, in this little cycle that they had, which wasn't like Jordan brand money, but once you get to like 10, 20 million, it's easy to lose. Anyone in business will say the bigger you get, the hardest part is, is keeping track of everything. Because when you go from like a million dollar business, it's easy to kind of keep it's easy for me right now to keep my finances together, but I could see if if the Haberman Middlecoff podcast went from a lucrative deal to a soup. Like what if in two years this was a twenty million dollar podcast and we had ten people working for us? Like you, you could see where you could lose, let's just say fifty grand, right, and not even know it, right? Because they lost one point five and no one noticed. Well, there's been a few until times the guy John- showed. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about relative dollars, there's been a few times where I've, like, gotten an alert from my bank. Like, did you spend this money? And I check, and there's $25 at some random gas station. I'm like, no, that wasn't me. Right? If I hadn't gotten that text, would I have caught that $25 at a Chevron? Probably not. How often do you go through your credit card or checking account and just look at every transaction? That's a good question. Uh, Semi-regularly. You do it regularly? I don't do it enough. Semi-regularly. So there are times where I haven't done it for weeks, and then there are times I'll do it twice in a day. You know, I wouldn't say I'm on top of it uh, in probably the way that anybody should be. But luckily, every time something weird happens, I've never, like, I have gone back, back, back. I've never caught anything weird that hadn't already been caught by the bank. I uh, Here's the other thing. I think you I don't you balance and I my both... checkbook like my grandma used to. I'll tell you that. Every I, transaction. I would... I would say five or six years ago. Yeah, to me either. I love when my mom like gets out her checkbook. Like, mom, it's fucking sign in to wellsfargo.com or wherever your bank is. Like, you don't need to do this manually with a, you know, a pen. Is that the the one thing I do feel for athletes of all the, God, you know, they getting screwed by the all the BS that gets talked about on social media. How difficult it is. Like I've learned in the last five years. Like just been through some business experiences that have helped me out and will help me out moving forward. That happened when I was from like late twenties to now I'm gonna be thirty five this year. These guys like Lonzo, big ball brand was starting to take off when he was like twenty years old, and he's just super focused on basketball. The hardest decision is these guys have to like sign papers business wise at nineteen, twenty, twenty one when they have zero experience in it. Like, and in fairness, no human does in any walk of life, really, besides like your Warren Buffetts or whatever entrepreneurs that start a business like 12 years old. You've just never dealt with any of this stuff. Well, and then on top and of that, and top of that, and then the your dad's that, supporting you, you just assume it's right. Yeah. And that, right. And the person that you think you think like, oh, I got an expert. I got this business guy's running that turns out he's he's crooked. Well, it's why the older you get, the more cynical you get, because the more experiences you have of people fucking you. 
And it's just, it's a sick way to live, but it's also the more, I bet Lonzo in 10 years will say that experience helped me out in the long run of just doing deals. It should, but it also, you don't want to become too cynical, right? Like you still want to believe the best in people, but you might say this guy that fooled me and my dad, he was the nicest guy I've ever met. Cause right. like, I, I thought he was my, I, I, I thought this guy, I would have made him my son, my future son's grant, you know, godparent. Like I love the guy. The guy that caught the million and a half has a client for life. Yes. And I bet he'd sell you. It's, it's pretty easy. It was like basic accounting. There were just <laughs> there <were> numbers missing. <laughs> uh, all right. Now let's get to Jed. Matt Mayoko talked uh, to Jed York, John. Owners meetings happened in Arizona. And um, talked to him about John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan. And one of the things Jed said was, quote, I have a lot of patience with these guys. I think there are reasons we've had the records we've had the last two years, and I feel very, very good about the team those guys are putting together. Um, I think he's right. Do you think he's right? Uh, I thought it was – I was kind of nice to hear from Jed when it wasn't – there wasn't anything else going on. Nobody was getting fired. There wasn't any controversy. And and I thought he said exactly what – if you had written a piece of paper of this is what I hope the owner would say about the Niners in this situation, um, it's exactly what he said. No guarantees about what's about to happen. No, you know, just basic support. I was kind of hoping we'd also get Jed's take on Robert Kraft, but uh, maybe, maybe we won't. Uh, yeah. I, the one thing Jed wanted more, and I think this is a reality, I think he wants to win, but the true reality is he wants harmony. He wants a, a, a good place to work and people to like him and be friends with him. And the the, the Harbaugh Balky experience, and I think respect. I, th- I do think he wants respect, like relative to the other owners that get respect. Yeah, and I'd say I, the one thing I'd say, Jed, you kind of have to earn. You know, like a, a, you can't expect just because you pay the guy, the guy looks at it like it's not really your money, even though it technically is. But I'm I'm, a, I'm in agreement. I, I think he does. He wants to be treated like a Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones. But, like, John Lynch is 50 times more accomplished in life than you. Yeah, it takes time you know, to Kyle, get there. Yeah, so to me, the number one – that's why I think the number one thing he wants is just people to get along. And then if you get along, just respect will build if you're good at what you do. Uh, and that's why I, I can't see Jed – like, listen to this Belichick book about Parcells and even Bill. He doesn't want a guy like that. Kyle's kind of like that, but he's also pretty chill. He's pretty – I think – easy to deal with for the most part and clearly john lynch is i i I think he would remember how we talked about how jerry jones would pay any amount of money for just jason garrett to work out and the fans to leave him alone and just to win i think jed kind of similarly would just how well it's gone with these two guys because they've just had two pretty shitty seasons but yet it's felt pretty normal they've and they've had some crazy things happen i mean reuben foster got arrested at the team hotel that's one of the crazier incidents in last year's season for just any individual player not on the field. And they just handle it pretty smoothly. I think he loves that. He just knows at the end of the day, we eventually kind of got to do something <laughs> positively on the field or else people are always going to be asking this question. He just like this. Like this, this question was not being asked with Jim because Jim showed up and he kicked fucking ass immediately. And then, if anything, it was like the backlash the other way. Like, oh, these fake, fake, you're not trading Jim Harbaugh. And really, like, they were thinking about it. Right. And then he, he took on the worst criticism he ever took for, like, a two-year stretch because he broke that up and refused to stand. Like, no one cared about Jim being a dick. 
even though Jim probably is one of the more difficult guys to work with in all of America. But because he produced, that's all anyone cares about. It's why whenever I see people tweeting about, like, if the 49ers signed Tyreek Hill, that would be devastating. And you've kind of taught me this. Devastating how? Like, if he's catching if, – if he got cut tomorrow by the Chiefs and they signed him and he had 12 touchdowns next year and the Niners win the playoffs, no one would care. They, they tweet they'd care. They talk about they'd care, but they'd all watch. So it's kind of fake care. Like, that's all that really matters. So eventually – the, keep the main thing, the main thing. Like, they got to win on the football field. And I, I, I do think these next couple years, you know, of let's say 16 to 18 wins over this next two-year stretch is pretty important for this group. Here, here's the, the – in terms of what matters, to use – to take that a step further, here's what matters. Do John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan do a good enough job that they get extended? Because if they don't, then then what matter? Then you're changing regimes and coaches and all that, and that matters for your football team. They, they do have six-year contracts, though. No, I understand. So I'm talking like in the next three years, not this year. So what what do the next three years have to look like for those guys to get extensions? If if the Niners go seven and nine, nine and seven, eight and eight in the next three years, okay, I'm gonna just make it as blah middle of the road as possible. That'd be pretty underwhelming. It would be. Would he fire them if they're working no. well together? If he likes them, if they're 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 maybe they make the playoffs. What the nine and seven year they make the playoffs. This year they don't. Next year they do. The next year, whatever you could kind of let's say, and you can kind of explain. Like Jimmy breaks an ankle in year three, and they missed a couple games. Whatever I don't know. A ham, hammy pull, not ankle break. Hammy pull <laughs> misses a month. I'm ankle just, breaks out for the season, guy. Like I think that I can't I, go. I can't go through that again. I know. I know. I think seven to nine, nine and seven, eight and eight. I think. If that's the next three, I think the fourth year they're back. Well, I, I know this guy. In Jed York's tenure as the boss, the only times they've ever sniffed the playoffs is with Jim. Sniffed. Not made ever even come close. If these two guys in the next couple years, whether it's this year or next year, make the playoffs, they will immediately be extended. To me, the playoffs yeah, equal immediate extension. Because it's not like... You know, for example, like the Bears or something. Like, they had kind of been shitty, but they had made the playoffs four years ago, and then the previous year they had made it, like, the three years in the 2000s. Like, this is a team that, beside the gym little window, has had, like, 18 years of no playoffs. So you you siphon that out from 02 to 19, no playoffs, beside the Harbaugh three years. So I, I think playoffs, guy, playoffs, equal immediate extension. Don't you? When you look at it that way, yeah, the the playoffs. Yes, and I'm just wild card on the road, getting blown out won't even matter. I agree. If they're in the playoffs in two years, then what happens three years from now won't matter because they will have just been extended. I agree with you. Because because think about the playoff year, how big it would be in the Bay Area, and just the Niners would be big for the league to have the Niners good. Like they do matter. They're the biggest brand on the West Coast. Now again, I'm not that confident that that's going to happen. Uh, but if it happens, I am confident that there would be a report by one of the owners' meetings late March. It, it, I would say right. by the end of the Super Bowl, they would have already been extended. You know, it just because it would be so much positive momentum. It, it would be Jed's. Jed got credit definitely for the Harbaugh thing, but then it got so weird so fast it got all got ripped away from him because he didn't handle it well enough. And at the end of the day, he was the boss. He couldn't get these two guys to work together. 
So he really doesn't get as much credit as most owners would get in that situation for how successful it was. Like, Jed hired Trent Baalke. Say what you want. I get it was like a baseball throwaway. He hired Jim Harbaugh. Like, he gets basically no credit right. for that. They internet. don't get any credit for being in the Super Bowl. He gets none. He gets none. He honestly, he's kind of mellowed out because he's taken back some comments or just stayed silent lately. Was like in the Mark Davis category, like kind of a laughing stock of the league. Well, and the Tom Sula thing feels, took it to another level, big time, and he deserved the shit he got. I, I, I think firing. Whenever you fire a guy of that magnitude and that just fame's the wrong word, popularity, like truly, people loved the guy. It was the first time in ten plus years. An entire reach took – they took more pride in their head coach than they did every player on the team. Don't you agree? Like Jim, to me, represented the fan base. Right. Like that's our guy. We're yeah, I mean, I felt like – I did feel like like Navar- uh, I'm not saying the Patrick play, I, Willis. Yeah, I'm not, saying yeah. The play, I'm not saying the players weren't a big deal. But on a team with superstars, their biggest star was their rock star coach. Right. He was like – he went from zero to 60 and became like a – I don't know, like a Parcelsian figure. And he's still kind of, he's mellowed out a little bit because he hasn't won at Michigan, but he's still, just his pure fame. When you, Oh, there's Jim Harbaugh. Right. Like he is, like Kyle's, even if he wins, never going to quite be that. Like they had something pretty special and it got ripped away. And then, like you said, they went embarrassing route immediately with Tom Sula. So if he makes the playoffs, like this, like that was, like they got Kyle. They pivoted to Kyle after Josh kind of left him high and dry. They listened to Kyle. Like some organizations, I think you saw this with Matt Rule when the Jets tried to hire him and they were like dictating the staff. Like, say, I'll give Jet credit on this. He's like, okay, Kyle, you want this guy? We're impressed with him. You do the staff. We didn't try to over be overbearing with anything. And if it does work, and to me the playoffs in the next year or two would be a success given Jed's tenure. That's a, the bar's low, which is kind of yeah, sad. But well, it would mean that this that this group continues. Simple as that. Like wh- whoever we qualify it, success or not, if they go to the playoffs, they're getting extended. I think that's what you said. I, I and I think that's I got one. Yeah. Who's fired first, Kyle or Gruden? I. Do you think John Gruden would get fired? If it goes really poorly, it feels like he'd step away. I don't. I have a hard time seeing Mark Davis saying you're fired to John Gruden. Non like a, you know, a scandal or something. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I do too. Like just you, you like picture Jet firing Kyle? No. <laughs> I feel, but he doesn't have a ten-year contract. But he's, yeah, but he's got. He's in year three of six. I'm just saying, I don't think either one of them is getting fired. But if I told you the Raiders went three and thirteen, three and thirteen, four and twelve, like would he get? Would John get fired? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd feel like John Gruden would not still be the head coach of the Raiders. Like he would walk away before that yeah. happens. They would have like a mutual parting away. Like it just didn't work out. But they what if you got fifty million dollars left on your contract? I I think he's so rich that I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. It's a good question. I don't. You think John Gruden's going to coach with like ten wins in four years? No. Feels like he'd hate it. No, I yeah. He's so rich. That's the thing. He's got so much money. Like most people, fifty million leaving that on the table. If you're already worth a hundred million, 
and you just hate life, like truly hate life, because that's what he would do. I think Kyle's the same. Like these guys are not going to handle losing well. No. You saw Gruden like, I'm not going to lose again. We're going to go get all these players. We're not fuck the rebuild. I'm trying to I'm trying to be competitive next year. You've seen Kyle kind of consistently do that. At probably a, him and John, definitely a, him and Lynch, John Lynch, less like Al Davis like. Like one thing Gruden is like he is going to be aggressive to the max, like old, old school. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's really the – most people in the NFL would be like, John, just – you don't need to be this crazy. But he is, and that's what kind of makes him him. Uh, all right, the Raiders this week, John, speaking of them, Albert Breer, the MMQB, the MMQB is Albert's now, uh, wrote that the Raiders are going to do or have scheduled already private workouts this week with Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State's quarterback, and Kyler Murray, the former Oklahoma Oakland A, um, one after the other next week is what he wrote. So does that mean actually not this week but the following week, or does that mean this week? He wrote next week. So, I would imagine not this week because they're in Arizona for okay. a couple of days and Mayock's there. So next week. Now you could you you could send Greg Olson. You wouldn't do that, right? You want to work these guys out. Like to me, it's what does this mean? Is the question. Does it mean anything? And I don't. I don't know what it means, but to me, it doesn't mean nothing. Especially you. If, you think John Gruden one hundred percent is going to be at both these two workouts? Well, I like if you're going to do it, why wouldn't you have him there? You just trust Greg. Well, Olson because maybe he, just yeah, and you film it. You know, it's not that crazy. I'm with right, you. Well, maybe you it won't be there. Go, I don't know. But I, I don't think the head coach is always a lock to be at these workouts. You, but Mayock would be there then. Right, I I would say if they're both there, Mayock and John, it would be pretty powerful. Like, damn, they're not really fucking around. Well, to me, there's one thing if, between if they're not if they're not there, it's just kind of doing due diligence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know how these things work better than me. That's what I'm saying. But like, I do you, think like you send John, your coordinator to work guys out. But there, isn't there a difference between we're going to his pro day and we have a private workout with him? But you can set up private workouts with players pretty consistently. Like it's pretty easy to do that. I'm just no. I know, I'm just saying, if you have a private workout, is he coming to you, or are you going to him? Uh, you go to him. When you bring him to your facility, you cannot work him out. So right, you got so to go there. Would wherever. be a reason to just to not have the head coach go do it. Yeah, when he comes to you, you get him 24 hours, no workout. Like it's so all. So there's no limit dinner. on the number of private workouts you can schedule at someone else's place. There's a limit on the number of guys that you can visit with. You can do an unlimited amount of private workouts, yes. Okay, so maybe he won't be there. So if he's not there, let's go with that. If Gruden's not there, if it's just Greg Olson, does this mean does this just mean nothing? Is this just simply due diligence? I would say it doesn't. Yeah, I would say it doesn't mean nothing. But I would put it more like it makes sense. Teams do it every year. Just work guys out. Send position coaches and coordinators. If John Gruden, if the if it goes, the story's reported. You know, next week, first week of April or whatever, the contingent at Kyler Murray's private workout in Texas, Oklahoma, L.A., wherever they do it, is Mayock, Gruden, and Olsen. You go, well, I wouldn't say it's nothing. It may turn out to be nothing, but clearly they're interested. Or it's just because, again, you're not really throwing smoke out there necessarily because you're not the number one overall pick. You're drafting four. Like, you're legitimately doing due diligence like – what if this guy falls and therefore would we take him? Would we replace Derek with this guy? But to me, those would be the questions. If it's just Greg Olson, 
it doesn't mean that much. If they bring him into a visit, like if, it, if it's reported that – because I would expect that Josh Allen, Quinn and Williams, and Nick Bosa all visit the Raiders, as they should all the top five teams if you're them. Uh, and I, I think if you're Kyler Murray, like if the Patriots asked you to work out, you'd say no, right? They're drafting 32 or the Eagles or whoever. But if any team in the top five asks you to work out, you have to say yes, just as – Bad business to say no. You wouldn't say yes to the Patriots just in case the Patriots think, like, if you're there at three, we'll trade up for you? Yeah, I don't think you would. I I think it's more – because you can only do so many workouts. It's kind of – like, you're not going to work out every day. And the likelihood is they're just kind of using you. I I think it would be fair for the agents to say no. But if if the whole contingent of the main guys are there – one thing was kind of fascinating is last week there was a three-day stretch – it went Bama, Ohio State, Kentucky. Yeah. The 49ers, Lynch and Adam, went to Bama, and then they went to Ohio State, and after Ohio State, they flew home. They did not go to Kentucky. That makes me think they, Ma- like, that makes me think they like Josh Allen. Mayoko went to Kentucky. Mayoko's gone everywhere. <laughs> I know. They, they didn't. See, that's – I red flag that. And, again, I don't know which side – I might side with you, but I I might side with maybe they just don't think Josh Allen fits. You know why waste our time? It could be either. That that's the great part about this year or this time of year is I really got no clue. But I can make. You think it they're clear. on the plane back home? Like Mayoko, yeah, what a I, what a sucker! I, I, Mayoko's going to this thing. Somebody should we call would, Mayoko and tell him we're not drafting Josh Allen? No, let him go. Here's what, here's what I'd lean. I would lean that they go if we stay at two and we're going to take a player. Regardless who the Cardinals pick, we're going to take one of these two guys. These are the two guys we like. We're not taking this other guy. So Quinn, why even waste time? Quinn and Quinn and Urbosa. Quinn and Urbosa. We're going to take one of those two guys. Why even waste our time going to Kentucky? That would be my guess. But I I am not going to rule out your theory is maybe they just like Josh Allen the most, and it's just good to kind of keep teams on their toes. But again, like you are the actual person flying around of these. So why if you did like Josh, why wouldn't you go to the pro day? Because you've already gotten a three, and no one would know. To me, it sends off more of like if I was another team, if I was the Raiders, I'd go, that's a little weird. You know, trying to do our hypotheticals of right. who's going to be there at Because that's what you do for the next really month is they all these hypotheticals, and you take inventory, especially when you're drafting really high, of what teams are doing. Well, you go, if you're Mayock, I was with these two guys for two straight days, and then as I got on the plane to go to Kentucky, they got on the plane to go back to the Bay Area. What does that mean? It means something. It does mean something. You agree there? Yes. It doesn't mean nothing. It either means they really like him and they don't want us to know it, or they don't like him at all, and they don't care that we know it. I think the hard part for the Raiders and the Niners with Josh Allen is he's not an ideal 4-3 defensive lineman. So there's like the two guys that fit, and if you're the Raiders at four doing this due diligence, I think you just have to be prepared if you're the Raiders and they're talking this out. You'd be stupid not to. Is Kyler Murray a better player than Derek Carr for the next five years? Because if you believe he is and the Cardinals would be open to making trade, then you should be open to making trade. If you believe it's even, then you should just stay hold with Derek. If you believe Derek better, clearly just stay with Derek. To me, those are the conversations – that are taking place right now. And maybe they know. Maybe they've called the Cardinals and be like, yeah, we're not willing to trade. And then you just, maybe you assume they're taking Kyler Murray. But I guess you always have to assume that it might 
they might not. It's, it's a hard part when you draft three, four, and five in a draft like this. There's yeah. a lot of just unknown. It really Especially is a pretty unique when, year that we've got both the Niners yeah. and the Raiders drafting so high. Because I, I, do you have any like strong feeling who the Niners are going to take it to? I don't. No. It almost feels like Bose is too good to be too. Like, I don't think that that's their pick. That would be my guess right now. It feels Nick like Bosa Quinn is Williams not- is their pick, right? Yeah, and it's not even that crazy. No. But if they drafted I mean, one-, one of the linebackers, that, I mean, they spent all this time signing linebackers. That would feel a little. Did, did you see the Devin White quote last week? What the team, it? whoever drafts me, better be ready. My second contract going to be 100 mil. No, I did not see that quote. Eh, don't love that one. No. <laughs> confidence. Yeah, there's two ways to look at it. Immaturity, confidence, combination is... Uh, I just... <laughs> do, uh, do we want to talk about Gronk now or do it on the next pod? Let's do it on the next pod. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that. We'll, we'll, uh, we have some more, we'll have some more uh, early tourney picks on the next pod as well. Um, all right. Because also, there is there a chance like tomorrow Gronk's like actually, I'll see these guys in training camp. You think Gronk's back like, by Wednesday? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, 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 maybe not Wednesday, but just like there's rumblings. The Patriots think they get him, but you know, I just I hope he does the Roger Clemens. John only shows up for home starts. Well, have you seen that Jared Cook hasn't officially signed with the Saints? Because the Patriots are like, hey, bro, you want to come here? Yeah, well, he should. Although both now, places now are they're pretty, pretty they're two pretty good yeah. situations. Really, you could make the case that New Orleans would be better for him. Yeah, because they only have one receiver, really, and might, they do not have any tight ends. That might be the spot. Maybe we get a few thought, more bucks, like, though. In the free agency, that Jared Cook would just be unemployed. It's weird. I'm telling you, he's. And uh, of course, he ends up on a good team. One, I mean, he can catch. He's a sixty catch tight end, who is athletic and can run. Who, for whatever reason, the league has this weird red flag that's never gotten out on him. I'd love to know. <laughs> I mean, all these random players get signed, and this guy that has produced at a pretty high level for the last three or four years at a premium position that every team wants can't get a job. It's like Raiders, like, who is our most reliable receiver? Uh, Jared Cook. Do we want him back? Not a chance. Okay. <laughs> Why? No reason. All yeah, right. it's just... It, it, and no, was, and no it, one's it like, and, and there's not one report, like, no one can quite figure out why the Raiders aren't bringing him back. No one has said that. It's it's wild, man. At Even the, the Packers coach had Jimmy Graham like on deck, right? Yeah, I mean he had six. T- he had sixty eight catches and six touchdowns last year. Like I just the Quan Alexander, like torn ACL, sign him fifteen million. You know these guys get jobs easily. Golden Tate, oh fucking thirty million. You know these dudes just you just signing dudes left and right, and Jared Cooks. Again, 68 catches, eight touchdowns, and was just good. I mean, you just watch him. He's like a legitimate NFL starter. No, no, just maybe he'll be around in like April 1st. Yeah, let the Saints have him. You notice that every Niner, like one story. Him being on the Saints won't make us look bad. One story for today was, uh, I guess Lynch said the McKinnon, because Parag's go-to move is that April 1st date. Mm-hmm. That's when he guarantees your money. Mm-hmm. He never guarantees it opening a league year. I don't understand how agents go, no, man, I'm not going to leave April 1st in there. But every Niner from Kaepernick to every yeah. guy they sign has that April 1st fucking date. 
Jarek McKinnon has that too. That's why they were talking like they could cut him. I guess Lynch said today that or yesterday they're going to bring him back. But does any other team get consistently like starting players to use an April first date? Like the Niners, that's I their go-to. I never even hear move. about it for anybody else because it does not exist. Because no one in their right mind will do it. Now I bet he tell you, yeah, we give them a little more money for that date. You know, it's a give and take. Niners like negotiating a little. We'll give you this. You got to give us that. They're big. Like you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Bill's just like, yeah, we're not paying you anything. You either come or don't. Hang up. <laughs> it's, it's like that's his negotiation. All right, Bill, we'll talk like, to you in the meetings. Nope, I won't be there. No face to face. Yeah, you, you want to win or not? Call me back. If not, I'll fucking move on and find someone else. If you do not call me back in the next twenty minutes, we might have your spot replaced. Like they don't even, they can't be the friendliest people to negotiate with. Yeah. Hey, Jared, uh, you sure you want to sign with the Saints? Uh, I might sign with you guys. Well, we need to know right now because. Yeah, you're in or out. We'll give you this. We'll give you five million dollars less than the Saints are offering. Yeah, you want to lose an AFC or NFC championship game, or you want to win a Super Bowl? If you want, if you want to win a Super Bowl, call me back. If not, I'm just probably headed to my boat right now with yeah. Cooper Linda. Can you have Tom Brady call me? No, but Jacoby Brissett's happy to give you a ring. He's not on the team anymore. <laughs> Who else could? Uh, Hoyer. Hoyer says he'll come out and throw with you in your hometown. Do you think Hoyer is the backup quarterback there next year? Uh, uh, I feel like they got to draft a guy, right? But they need. Yes, it feels I, like. Yeah, it does guy. feel like it, it, it honestly feels my gut tells me if Kyler Murray's a Cardinal, that Josh Rosen is a Patriot. And then Brady gets injured. Rosen comes in and they still win the AFC East with Rosen. And it's one of Belichick's. But it's not really that great of an accomplishment because it's not like Rosen is Hoyer. You know, it'd be like, oh, yeah, he was. No, it's a pretty great accomplishment, back. though. Just it would be. It, just it would like, all be, you could have had this I, guy for a second. We had the worst second and we got him. And then we win with them? Because it does. Here's where Bill gets you is he does you a favor. And when you prove that you can do a deal with them and stay quiet, like Jimmy Garoppolo, Chandler Jones, to me, then he expects a little something back. So he's going to call Steve Kahn and be like, remember when I gave you your best pass rusher in the last 45 years of your franchise? Yeah, you're going to take a little less and you're going to give me Rosen. And what's Kahn going to say? No. Yeah. Well, he's going to say, I don't really have a better offer. So, okay. Do you think Ro- if Rosen is not on the Cardinals, do you think he's on the Patriots? I could see him on the Dolphins too. I mean, they don't have a quarterback really. They just signed. Uh... They got. They got Fitz. Right. I re- I read that people around the Dolphins think that they are full tanking this year, and they're they would not even be interested in oh, drafting okay. a guy or doing a trade. Um. Giants. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would not be surprised at all to see, because if you're the Patriots, it's like you're not in a rush. You could he can be your backup for three years, right? He was a first round pick. Would you give pick thirty two for Josh Rosen? Mm, do you have to? If you had to, like, if someone else was offering a p- pick between like thirty two and forty, if I'm know? if I, if I think he's like legitimately my next quarterback, yeah. If Josh McDaniels thinks he's my next quarterback, then yeah. Because to and me, he's, had you a- got him for four more years. Yeah. What does and the backup quarterback cost, like, John? What does Brian Hoyer What if cost? last year, yeah, five or six million? So, so Rose is the same price, maybe even less. Especially if, to does me, Hoyer it's really cost break. five million. Yeah, I don't think he's. Che- I mean, that's just the going rate for a backup quarterback. Maybe three. What if the Patriots? There's a chance the Patriots didn't like him coming out. If they did, then they'd be interested. If they didn't, then they probably wouldn't. Obviously. <laughs> Like if they thought he was a top 10 player in last year's draft, what? it's an easy – yeah, I'd get 32 for that. Because like you said, team control, he's 1. cheap. 1.4 per 
for Hoyer. <laughs> I overestimated his cash earning potential. You were thinking of that old. That's uh, you were thinking of the old. <laughs> I know what's in your head is the old Blaine Gabbert's like three million dollar deal. That's a lot from Brian Hoyer. <laughs> yeah, except like you feel like he can come in and run our offense. Like that's worth something to you. All right. On that note. Godspeed. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.